You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burt. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host for today, Michelle Dawes-Burt, and as always, I'm super excited to be here. Always super excited to be here. Today is no different. We're, we're, we're practicing social distancing. I feel like my guest is so far. <laughs> my hello, guest is hello. so far away. <laughs> but we wanted to be safe, and we're so thankful that you guys decided to spend the afternoon with us. Thanks to all the listeners that are checking us out. For those of you that don't know, let me just give you a little bit of background about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. We're all about a brand that collaborates and connects and raises awareness for women through so many different platforms. We do it through uh, public speaking, we do it through our public service, we do it through our mentoring, and we do it through this platform, which is the arts. And we, I tend to like this one the most of lately because mm-hmm. I get to talk about topics and issues that impact us most. And then I bring people in to kind of be a subject matter expert. We have conversation, we have dialogue, but it's all about empowering the people with more information, right? So tools is empowerment. So that's what we're all about. So thanks guys for joining us. Um, today's topic is all about yoga, all about yoga. Yoga is a huge sensation, I think. It's always been around, but I think more and more people are getting engaged in with it because Thanks we're home Thanks for listening more. to today's episode. Um, we drive if a lot. If you have a product home, or service time. you'd like to have behind promoted during the show, and please we're contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're really starting to become more aware of our health. We're reaching the masses, and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on. And we're still faced with challenges about school and our kids and things. There's so many things that are going on. Our stress levels are up. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to eat better while we are at home, but we're restrictive, right? The gyms yeah. are not open. Some that are, we're not going. There's still some reservations about us being in certain public spaces. So it's like, how do we still continue to stay healthy and move and be flexible during all right. of this? So again, today's topic is all about yoga. And my guest today to my right is somebody I, I like. Uh, I do. She's a beautiful person. I, when I met her like years ago, I, I just tapped her. I said, Aww. you're just beautiful. Uh-huh. I was just like tapped her and said, you're just beautiful. And we just connected ever since. And so yeah. my guest today on the right in the studio is Martine Guy. Hi, Martine. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. I haven't Super seen you in a while. You know? I know. You know, when I see you, it's, out, it's at outdoor festivals, right. but they've been canceled this year. That's right. So they're robbing us of our time. That's right. So I had yeah. to bring you in the studio Love today. It. I, ha- I, I had to wait. have it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't have wait. I don't have Martine here by herself. I have another wonderful, beautiful lady coming into us from Zoom, and that's Annalise Leal. Annalise, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> you are the owner and, and curator and founder of Sacred Thread Yoga Studio, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, located in East Atlanta. And Old Fourth Ward. We have two. Wow, that's right. East side, yeah. That's Uh right. So, Annalise, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Just a little bit. Well, let's see. I am a new mother. We were Mm -hmm. just talking about that. Yes. part of why I'm remote today. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Um, I've been practicing yoga for a little over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I found it in my early 20s, and it has been a godsend in so many different ways. Um, I love music. I need to get in your group and start hitting those outdoor <laughs> festivals. Yes, yes. Join that's us. Amazing. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's you. That's you. That's awesome. So, Martine, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, let's see. I think I've been practicing, teaching in the world of yoga for almost 10 years now. Really? Yeah. And it started for me, it started with, with chronic pain. Mm. So, um, you know, I took a class at the Y and fell, fell in love with Shavasana. That was really kind of how I, you know, and stuff was going on. I had just had a baby. My son was eight weeks old when I started practicing yoga. So it was something that really just helped me through sort of that postpartum that I had going on. But, um, it's been great. I love teaching, love teaching in Atlanta. Um, I 
now work full-time and teach mm-hmm. um, for a women's shelter here in, in Atlanta, but it's been, you know, service is part of our practice when we start talking about karma yoga. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big part of my, mm-hmm. my training and mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. So was it a specific pain like for you? Breastfeeding. Wow. So my neck, right? Wow. This is what you do when you breastfeed. Right. No one would ever think, but I couldn't figure out. And, it was, and my friend was like, just take a yoga class. Went to the Y. It was cheap. I almost threw up in my first yoga Why? class. Like that's because it was just, I hadn't done any exercise. Mm. I was eight weeks after, you know, out yeah. from having a baby. Right. And I pushed my body mm. and I wanted to. Okay. I wanted to. Okay. And then we had Shavasana and that was all she wrote. I was oh just like, God. is this? What is this stillness and this rest? Like when you have a new baby, you're like, what is this? Why am I resting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, and I was hooked. I just kept going back. It was like a little bit of a drug. I just kept going back. Yeah, kept going back. And 10 years later. Annalise, when was your first experience with yoga? When, I know you've been teaching for 20 years, but what what was it for you? (laughs) Well, mine was different. Okay. I did not like Savasana when I started. I was in my early, early 20s. Uh, in fact, the very first time I did yoga, it was on not even a DVD. It was a VHS. Come on now. Come on now. In a college dorm with, a, with my guy friends, actually. And um, then shortly thereafter, studios started popping up. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina at that time. And um, I went into the studio and I fell in love. But for me, it was the breath, the, yeah. the pranayama practice, breathing mm. and moving with my breath. And feeling that rhythm um, between my breath and my own body was like meditative and just everything for me. Mm-hmm. And Savasana, now, if I had have found Savasana now, I would have been like Martine. I would have been like, oh, yes. <laughs> but at 20, I was like, oh, I don't need that part. And I was like in a quiet place. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what made you decide to start teaching? When did you turn that corner and said, I want to help other people learn yoga, learn about yoga? Um, you know, I, I think that for me, I've always been a bit of a teacher. When I was in my corporate life, before I did this full time, I did a lot of training and a lot of going out. I worked in a medical field, so I would go out and train doctors on how to use different products that we sold. And I've always really enjoyed just teaching and taking things that might seem complex and making them really simple to people so that they can, can start to feel that little bit of drug, you know, like I want to come back to it. (laughs) You do have to like, kind of, I don't want to say bait people, but you do have to break it down and make it accessible and approachable. Mm -hmm. So I've always loved doing that anyway, but I actually moved to Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a Southern girl. I moved to Boston in my early twenties and I loved yoga and didn't know anybody. And I decided to rent a space right next to a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. So I was like, nothing else. I can do a bunch of yoga. And before you knew it, I was teaching and all that stuff. I love it. Yeah. How was your so first good. practice? Your first your your first day is teaching yoga. How did that go? What was that experience? My first like? time teaching. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Mm. I wasn't I wasn't nervous about it at all because I have always liked getting up and talking in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy, Emily. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm good with this. Yeah. Um, and then as you know, it shifted because I've been teaching for 20 years. So I was in my early 20s and I had all kinds of stuff that I needed to work through yeah. and still do, by the way, mm-hmm. that never, we're mm-hmm. never there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have evolved a lot as a teacher over the years because I've grown a lot as a woman over the years. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I wish I could find the people that were in my first years of, of classes mm-hmm. and know what that experience was like for them. Um, yeah, but I love teaching. I, I, I agree. Like taking something that has helped me so much and being able to share it yeah. with other people. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different tools in yoga. It's not 
what we always think of in our mind when we hear yoga. There's so many different tools that it actually is a practice that anybody can do. It's sometimes just a matter of finding the right tool that really fits for you. Right, right and the right village of people to do it with. Right. Um, so, Martine, right. tell me, why did you wanted to start teaching yoga? When did it hit you? I think very similar to what Annalise said. I, I just, I love the practice so much, and I've always... I was all, I'm all, I've always been an aspiring teacher. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to teach. I went to school for early elementary education. Like I've always wanted to, um, teach in some capacity and I've always played sports. I've always been pretty physical. And this just was a way to very similar share my experience with the practice Mm -hmm. and how it's helped. I remember I was very nervous when I initially started to teach after Mm -hmm. my teacher training, but there's so much that happens in the evolution of um, you as a yogi that, you know, you get out of teacher training and you're like, I'm going to be this kind of teacher and I'm going to do this. And I'm, but you just, yoga is sort of an evol, the practice evolves as you evolve, mm. your practice evolves, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I always say you are only as good of a teacher as you are a student. Mm-hmm. So the more impactful, you know, the more evolution you have in your life, the more challenging things, the more you lean into what happens, the better teacher you become. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, ladies, uh, yoga is such a broad term, right? Yes. For the for us sure. rookies, us novice people, we don't know. We just hear yoga. But you ladies, as yogis, as teachers, tell us the differences. So Annalise, tell us there's different types of yogas, right? That people can practice, right? Give us a few. Absolutely. So yoga actually is a philosophy. Mm. It's not the exercise of yoga that we think of that's been kind of commercialized and communicated in the U.S., but yoga is a philosophy, and the physical practice might be a starting point, but there's other people I've met, God bless them, who start with meditation um, or who start with um, the breathing practice. There's all different versions or variations of yoga, and even within the physical, um, you mentioned that you love yin, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a practice of long hold and stillness Mm -hmm. and it's a very passive practice so you're going into stretches and you're kind of sitting in them and you know some people do really love that and only want to practice that way and there's others who want hot yoga that's very physical Mm -hmm. um and then there's the gamut kind of in between the two you know ends right Mm -hmm. so it's a lot it's a lot which which one is your favorite do you have a favorite Annalise well, I, again, I started young, so I loved hot, sweaty, powerful <laughs> yoga, and I still do. Wow, um, wow. However, <laughs> I also have acquired the taste yes. of yen yeah. savasana, mm-hmm. um, but it cannot be an everyday practice for me. That's right. more like a, it's something that I do because when I take a yin class and I'm really like mentally into it. Mm-hmm. My body feels like it does after getting a good massage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like twice a month, I make time to mentally be into a yin practice because the benefits for the body are really good. Mm-hmm. And and you know that because you practice while pregnant, like almost until the birth of your baby, you were still wow. doing sessions at the studio. I mean, you were phenomenal. So yeah. I know it helped you in, in a tremendous That's amount great. of ways. It did, and I started back a week after I gave birth. Oh, yeah. serious? <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. But it was very short, and yeah. we were, you know, we were post, we were in lockdown at that point, point. Mm-hmm. and there was a lot of online, which actually, as a new mom, was great for me because yeah. I didn't have to leave. I didn't have to worry about finding, you know, somebody to care for her right. for two right. hours. Right. You know, I could do like a half an hour practice at home. And it was so nice. Right. That's nice. Right. And that is a challenge for most women. We're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. Martine, you have a favorite? Do you have one that um, you like? You know, I've I've tried power yoga, which is a more physically strenuous yoga. Strenuous yoga. Um, I've done vinyasa. I've done. I mean. My favorite would be my lineage or, mm. or where I practice and train, okay. which would be a Kali Natha yoga, which is a, a blend of Kundalini yoga, which mm. has to do with 
the chakras and mm. just classical yoga, which are just the classical postures yeah. that you like downward dog and warrior. Oh, yeah. and so that would be, I, I'm not a fan of, I try to do hot, but I feel like my dosha won't allow me to do hot. Mm. And she, <laughs> Annalise knows what I mean. <laughs> like I come out of a hot yoga class and I'm just like agitated in mm-hmm. a way. But fiery. It's yeah, fiery. it's yeah. too fiery. It's yeah. too fiery. But my friend swears by it. She loves it. Mm. Um, so I, I like yin at times, but I just kind of like a in between kind of a yin and a power. Okay. Like I'm not a fan of vinyasa either. Cause then I, again, it just, and it depends on my mood. Like, like Annalise said, sometimes she enjoys doing yin. Sometimes I really enjoy a tough power class wow. because it pushes my body. And mm-hmm. I enjoy that mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. Of, of the physical yes, practice. Of the push. But over the last five years, meditation has been my jam. Like oh, that's been my, really? yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's just, and it's all relevant, yeah. but I think, as Annalise said, everyone finds their path to yoga in some way. And a mm-hmm. lot of times, especially here in the West, we find it through the physical practice, yeah, we the do. asana practice. Yeah. And I did too. But as time went on, I just, I started struggling and I was going to meditation and I was going to prayer and I was going to stillness more. Wow. And that's just how it evolved for yeah. me over yeah. time. Let's talk about it because you ladies have been at Annalise for 20 years, you for 10. I feel for some of us, it's been like a current term or just we're starting to embrace it more maybe in the last five years, right? But it's always been here. And I was sharing with Annalise in our green room space in conversation that I really love and appreciate her practice at Sacred Thread because it's very diverse. It's a multicultural setting in there. And oftentimes when you talk to um, African-American women, we want to practice yoga, but we can't find the studios in which to do it. And another point that Annalise brought up is that we're moms and sometimes we don't have people to watch our baby, so we can't always make the practice. And, I, and I'm starting to see a shift, mm-hmm. you know, before the pandemic, of course, that there's more of us mm-hmm. coming into the space and we're learning and we're, we're training under Annalise, you know, and people like yourself. But we're putting in the work and we're, we're pushing our bodies sure. in ways that we haven't done before. So yeah. it's just really important. Would you not say, ladies, to start like yoga? We need yoga now, probably more than ever before. Martine, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, especially as women, right? I think that we have, our plates are always full. Mm-hmm. It, it, there, there's not a time where I don't think our plates are full. And I think as moms, as working women, navigating that, um, for me, from my experience, meditation has been really important to putting, placing me in the present moment. Right. Because what happens is I get full of worry and I get full of anxiety and I get full of all these things that I have to do and accomplish and complete. Mm -hmm. And I feel like meditation or any stillness practice Mm -hmm. with breathing or pranayama practice just pulls you back to the present moment. That's where I've found the most relief is that my anxiety is not as much. And so in turn, that outward response to my kids or my fiance or just even in my workplace, um, it shifts. Yeah. It you down, yeah. Right? And you're able to, um, we use this term a lot in yoga, but the ability to hold space because as women, I think that's what we do a lot naturally. Mm. Right. Mm. So that, and that's, that's been my experience with the practice and also talking about needing it when we talk about racial injustice and we talk about now we're really actively talking about the this delusion of inclusion Mm. in our yoga spaces. And, and it's important to me. Kashi is a very diverse yoga space. We graduate a lot of black yoga teachers, Mm -hmm. but even my, my, my Swami as a white woman, I've, we've had to have these really deep open conversations Mm. about how are we going to shift this narrative and shift what we think is inclusion Mm -hmm. and really start to, develop a belonging. Right. 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 It's one thing to go into your studio and say, okay, I feel included, but do I belong here? Mm. I've gone to a lot of yoga studios and I'll call them out. Form yoga is one of the ones that I've went to recently. And I did a six week boot camp at 6am. I was the only black woman in every single class. There were 20 students in that class. Wow. 
So I knew at that moment that wasn't a place for me. Okay. And I automatically kind of put myself off to the side in front of the mirror Mm -hmm. and just kind of, I already had this feeling. So I, I say that to say it is important now because I think yoga is a place where that dialogue needs to happen. Yeah. And we're going to come back to that point. That's a hot one. Okay. Annalise, I want to ask you the importance of yoga today. And I just want to say this too. I've been to your studio and I know you, you have not only inclusion with your students, but your staff, you have an F, you have black, a black woman that works with you, Stephanie, right? There's maybe some others. Oh, yeah. Um, that, and, and I just want to um, reflect on something that Martine just shared yeah. about her mat off to the side. She is a powerful woman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So anything that makes you feel like, oh, I need to shift to the side. I mean, that just, um, I don't know. I had a reaction when you said that because yeah. you, I want you to feel like you can be in the front and center, right? right. Because it's where you belong and I can tell your energy, um, so I, I hear that. I just want to, um, you know, reflect on that. Oh, but wonderful. in terms of inclusivity, I think for me, because I grew up in a predominantly black community in Greensboro, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and we have a HBCU there, A&T University, that was um, kind of near to where I live. Right. And so I have always felt very comfortable with different um ethnicities and skin tones and cultures and music and food and but even that I am still a white woman mm-hmm. so I think in from my standpoint what I've tried to do and you know I'm not perfect and right. relearning and kind of right. breaking down even my own um you know inner judgments I think it's important to have teachers of color. Um, you know, I think that it's really difficult to have a studio that feels like a space that everybody can belong in when the voices and power and leadership yes. are not diverse. Absolutely. So amplifying the voices of women in color, um, black women specifically has been something that I've been working on being more aware of and investing in. Mm-hmm. And even, um, you know, my hope if my studio doors stay open is to hire a program director of color for the studio next year. Um, because I think that that idea of not just being a teacher, but also being in power and having a voice mm-hmm. is critically important to balance my voice as a white woman. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Do you, you're pretty successful, Martine. Um, in, I'm sorry, Annalise, in how you attract the audience to come or people to come. Is it your marketing? You have a marketing plan or how do you get people in your doors all the time? Cause I mean, your emails are spot on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I write a lot from my heart. I, yes. my husband would say that I overshare, but I, I guilty. Do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like we yogis overshare. Yeah. <laughs> right. I feel like, you know, you've got to be honest. And I yeah. love what you said earlier about when we go through difficult times, how it just propels us to be a better teacher. Uh, there have been times in my life where I'm like, I can't make it through this. I don't know why God's taking me through this. And that thought yes. in my head, like, yeah. you're going to be able to work with people in a different way. This is just one more feather in your cap love or whatever, that. where you can relate to people in a different way. Um, so I really try to share from my heart, which I think resonates with people, mm-hmm. not as marketing, but just as friendship mm-hmm. and right. community. Um, and I'm That's also great. very acutely aware of images on social media and making our um, community more diverse um even there because i think and i'm you know a size 10 yogi Mm -hmm. i think that it's important to show that yoga is not just for thin young white women Mm -hmm. the way um marketing for the past decade has kind of portrayed it so if we Mm -hmm. can't see ourselves in a space then it becomes really discouraging to ever go into that space Mm -hmm. um so those are probably the two things that I try to do. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I love wanna, that. I want to ask you, Martine, mm-hmm. it, does diet 
is it important? Does it play into your practice? I mean, I think oftentimes we're still, we're going to the gym, we're running, yeah. we're riding our bikes, we're going to yoga three times a week, but then we still won't change our diet. And yeah. then we wonder why <laughs> we feel the way that we feel. So when you came into the practice, did you change your diet right away or was it you had to educate yourself a bit? I, I had to build an awareness around what was happening in my body. Mm, okay. Okay. And how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took that trying to understand my body as an individual, not what someone else was doing, not right. what everybody else. Right. And then I, once I did that, I just foods that were nourishing for me mm-hmm. and my, I say dosha, but body makeup or metaphysically how I, I am, right. um, So, you know, it always comes back to fruits, vegetables, lots of water, you know, just I've recently, it took about four or five years. Wow. Right. Okay. Because this is a lifestyle change. Yes, it is. So I went in, you know, eating a lot of processed foods Mm -hmm. and then I sort of tried to weed a lot of that out. Mm -hmm. If I look at my refrigerator 10 years ago and Mm. I look at my refrigerator now, it's, yeah. No, there was some it's junk in there. Completely yeah, different. Totally different. Down to using chickpea flour, yeah, right? Wow. Down to using ghee. Mm. Down to using. I've I've incorporated. I'm trying to incorporate more spices, yes. more Eastern spices yes, in my food yes, because yes. inflammation and things, you know, acne, all those all things. Um, so yes, I think it's important. Um, water. I, I always go back to water. Um, it's funny. I read something um, about joint mobility. And how it comes from um, muscular flexibility and how water is like oil for your joints, Mm -hmm. right? Or proper hydration lubricates your joints. And so I always go back to drinking a lot of water, not overeating, you know, portion size that it's not, it's, it's harder to shift the lifestyle, I think, than it is to um, do anything else okay? because yeah. we sort of fall back into yeah. meat was meat. Wasn't tough for me cause I didn't eat a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but dairy was tough. Yeah. Like you just have to figure out yeah. how it works yeah. and, and what's in your food, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Read the labels. Like that was another super important thing that I had to learn to do mm-hmm. is read the label. What's, if you can't pronounce it, I don't know if you should yeah, eat it. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You're <laughs> now that's right. not always, you know, I still eat cheesecake yeah. because I feel like it's a part of who I am. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just my thing. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to change. But, you know, I, I do... I even, I started going back to the gym about three or four weeks ago because I was having problems with my shoulder and it, and I, I know that strengthening the muscles around your joints helps. So now I have a yoga practice and I still have some sort of a weight practice and that's, you know, been tremendous, but listen to your body, Mm. you know, it's crying out. Yeah. And figure out what your body wants you to do as far as your diet. It's a lot of trial and error though. It really is. You know, Annalise, would you agree? It's a lot of trial and error because not only are you trying to do this lifestyle change, you're really trying to come into it. You're trying to be right. Right. And let's not even talk about the first of the year. Uh -uh. It's just, you say enough is enough. I'm really going to do this. And you got, you're trying to balance the work, Mm. the life, Mm -hmm. the motherhood, the Mm -hmm. wife, the partner, the business. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. We got all these things going on. And then time, you're aging at the same time. So the decades are rolling by. So the way your body used to break down food is different. The things that they put in the foods are different. So it's a, it's a, you know, I don't know if there's ever a right answer but God bless you if you're making the attempts, right? Mm-hmm. Annalise, how are you for, for with your diet and all of that? I'm not as good as Martina. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I wrote all that stuff down, Annalise. <laughs> Email me later. <laughs> um, you know, I just really started with getting rid of processed foods. I understand. You know? Like mm-hmm. that was the starting point. Can everything that, or for the most part, can most of the things that I put into my body be natural uh, products, Mm -hmm. you know? And I encourage, you know, people who are looking for that type of change to start there. Because I think um, 
it's important that it's manageable. Mm. But yoga is the greater philosophy of yoga is really um, has so many fine points of wisdom. And one of them is this concept of brahmacharya, which is sometimes translated as celibacy in some versions of yoga philosophy. But there's different ways of looking at it. And the, the way that I have taught and have decided and like to look at it is an awareness of what and who we give our energy to. Mm. And that kind of comes back to the idea of food too. Like what is fueling us? We have prana in, in yoga. It's our life force. It's what, what we would call in um, Chinese medicine, chi. Um, it's what keeps us alive, mm. right? So food is an extension of that. And mm. when we can think of it yeah. that way, it, everything kind of inherently makes sense we know yeah. what choices we should make and yep. that we should you know. mm-hmm. is Beautiful. is yoga a in your opinion a form of a religious practice or or not really no um so i guess you, it depends on who you ask yeah. but yoga is um, really tied in time and in geography oftentimes hinduism just because of where it originated and there is some overlap, just like culturally, there's overlap with different things here. Um, but they are separate systems. Um, and I believe in a Christian God and still practice yoga. And, um, you know, I think that there's so many different ways of um, making it make sense for you mm-hmm. while still allowing it to hold its inherent meaning. Um, without appropriating it or mm-hmm. stripping it of its value. Got yeah. you. For for you, Martine, I know you meditation was really key. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that yoga is, is a form of a religion, or not necessarily? You know, it's re- it's such an interesting kind of com- complex question because I have Christian yogi friends, right. I have Muslim yoga friends, right. I have Jewish yogi friends. So I don't. It, it's it's. It's almost disrespectful. <laughs> it's interfaith, right? Mm. It, you, it's not a, a box you can put it in. But what Annalise said was true. The the origins of yoga um, as a philosophy is is Hindu. Um, but I think anyone can practice. My lineage is Kalinatha. I, I have a Swami. Um, my teachers are monks and. Mm. We do do mantra and we at times do mantra to um, different Hindu gods that embody, right, certain philosophies. So you you see pictures of Ganesh Bhai, mm-hmm. which is an elephant, and, you know, yes. he is the remover of obstacles. So right. I think we have to have discernment just mm-hmm. like we do with anything, anything else, else. And mm-hmm. we can't appropriate, but there is a respectful way Understood. to understand what you're doing mm-hmm. and then, and to not water it down to a certain yeah. extent. And yeah. I think coming, going, Kashi has been interesting for me because I do believe in a Christian God as well. Mm-hmm. So I've had all sorts of flux and movement and, and different understandings and misunderstandings. But I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of, of, of what, what's important being awesome. a yogi and being able to move through those, awesome. those understandings. We got a question from Instagram and they want to ask you ladies, um, how do you start preparing to begin a, a yoga routine? So Martine, I'll ask you, what do you do to prepare for your <laughs> yoga routine? Um, I don't. I, I do it in the morning okay. because I feel like it's really hard and I'm really lazy after 6 p.m. I know that's right. <laughs> so I try to do it as early as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're asking what I would do or from my experience, mm-hmm. if you can carve out even twice a week to start, mm-hmm. um, I would do, you know, 45 minutes and just find a few poses that you like okay. and you know, and you're drinking plenty of water. Yeah. Do you have a superfood before you start? I don't. I don't eat. I normally no. don't eat before I practice. Okay. Or if I do eat, if I'm doing a midday practice, I'll have a small breakfast. Okay. But you don't really want to do like downward facing dog and pranayama on a full, full belly. Yeah. So you know, some water and and you don't have to go hard. You know, yeah. find what is comfortable okay. for you and go and. Do some online stuff if you want. That's a great way to start. Okay. Annalise, what do you think? How do you how do you start preparing to begin a yoga routine? 
Um, you know, I have people tell me all the time, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. And I always say, that's why you come to yoga. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not why you don't come. Right? So, you know, I think sometimes we can put obstacles, like what do I need to do to prepare myself? Um, you just do. You don't need to do to prepare. You just do because yoga actually is about coming home to yourself mm. coming back into your own body and your own power yep. so when we start to put up those obstacles we're kind of fragmenting our power um and i agree there's like so much great content online right now it's one of the interesting byproducts of being in the pandemic is that everything's shifting online there's a lot of free um, classes out there online uh, i would encourage people to get creative and play around and then if you find somebody or something that really works for you to um, maybe, you know, if you can afford to pay and get a subscription or a program um, with someone that's consistent. For me personally, I miss being in the studio because I'm all about group fitness. Yeah. It has a level of accountability for me that I don't always do so good at on my own at home. <laughs> um, so for me, like paying to have a subscription or a program kind of mimics that idea of accountability and then I get to really know the teacher and the way the teacher describes things and I kind of understand their language that can be helpful as a beginner too. Mm -hmm. Annalise tell, share with us the demographics of the people that come to your studio like the age possibly are they 35 and up or 40 and up black and white Latino Asian like what do you got going on at your studio? You know, we have a very wide range of ages. Actually, mm -hmm. I have some yogis that are in their 70s that come and Really? Yeah, and they are amazing and mm -hmm. consistent. Um, and I admire them so much. And we have younger people. I would say predominantly we're in the 30s, mm. um, maybe early mm -hmm. 40s. Mm -hmm. And it's a little heavier toward women than men, but you know, we're working on that yeah. still. We do have men, but just not as many. And um, I would say maybe 30% of our community is of color, maybe 30 to 40. Mm -hmm. It kind of depends on uh, the time of day and the class styles. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not quite as reflective of the diversity in Atlanta, but it's close and we're working to to continue to um, do better and make the space feel like home for everybody. And, and it so. does. It does. I'm going to go right to the over 21 question. Does yoga <laughs> help your sex drive? Come on, Elise, tell me something good. Does it help? Well, you know what I think it does do is it makes you really comfortable with your body. Yes. And that helps the sex drive. Yes. Um, when you feel comfortable and you feel in tune with who you are and also um, you feel powerful, yeah. you know? So yeah, I think from that standpoint, for sure. Yeah. Okay. For me, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's, it's obviously working. She just had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just can throw that out there. Good, good answer. You, so you would agree it helps it, open up one chakra. Let's talk about it. Does it come on? Tell me something now. Sunday, I, over 21. I feel like from my experience, I used to be the shyest person when it came to physical intimacy. Really? Yes. Now you would not know that by seeing no. me out in public, but when it came to like one-on-one -on -one intimacy, yeah. asking for what you want, come on, being more vocal about, you know, being more connected, not yeah. turning the lights out, like little things yes. like that, you just become more confident ah. and accepting of what who you are in your mm. physical body and yoga just, it makes you feel strong and powerful and complete in so many ways. I know it has for me that, you know, I went from turn the lights out to, I'm going to need you to take those off. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of the, the, <laughs> the small version of what it's like. like it's just the shift. I think the shift was, as you can see that part, yes. I really like the shift was amazing. You're always Because I was really shy. I was really shy you're, when it came to that. You're always glowing when I see you. I am. Because <laughs> I'm going to need I you to take it. those off. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, awesome. That's a yes. The yeah. confidence for sure. Yeah. The confidence. Yeah. And I also think knowing um, the different parts of your body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We engage bondas, which are. Oh, yeah. Like angle engagement. So you're starting to know, especially for women, your body in a way that, um, you know, we're not often raised. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. And I took a training a couple years ago, and we it was a yoga nidra training. Which yoga nidra is very similar to meditation, but you're laying down and it's guided. So you're in savasana, so guided. Um, And I love yoga nidra. Yeah. And the teacher who was teaching it asked us to like breathe down into our pelvis. And then when we got done, she was explaining what she took us through. And she said, um, it's so interesting. When I tell people to breathe into their pelvis, the men never have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) The women are like, I don't really feel like I can't feel that connection. It feels weird. That's so interesting. And I think, I don't know if it's 40 years of the menstrual cycle or whatever, but sometimes we feel a little burden around our pelvis. We don't feel as powerful or um, free with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to have something that kind of helps to rewire how we think about ourselves. And the ability to relax. I'm going to say that very quickly. Because being able to just relax and not sort of... And breathe. Yeah. And take it all in. And let it all out. Yeah. I'm going to move on. Yes. I'm going to move on. So, yes, for those that are listening, yes, it can help. It yes. can help because we need tools to help us as much as possible. Yes. The current economic position with the pandemic, everything is a mess. So, you know, Annalise, I want to ask you, how are, how are things going for you? Again, um, people have preferences. Some want to do it in the studio with you. Some do it at home. What's really going on? You're taking it to the streets. You're in the park. <laughs> Tell us what's going on for Sacred for Sacred Day. We are doing everything. We're doing everything that we can to um, save our business. Mm -hmm. We're doing everything that we can to give people options because the alternative is a lot of people are not practicing. Um, So I was sharing with you before we got on here that it's a lot of work because we are doing outdoor. We're doing in-studio. We're doing online. And I didn't think that I would own an online business that wasn't what I intended to do so a lot of it's outside of my expertise I'm learning as I go Um, but it's so important to me that I don't leave my community stranded in this time where it's actually we need yoga the most Mm -hmm. so it's um, partially fighting like just being scrappy and trying to keep the business alive but then also really being aware of um everybody's in a different place with the virus. Some people don't mind coming into a studio. um, And we have very specific rules around it too, to make it like as safe as possible. Um, And then there's other people who are like, you won't see me for a year. I'm not going to be back. You know? So we're trying to give as many options as we can. Yeah. So are you limited to the space? How many people in your class now? Maybe it's maybe a dozen per se. No, not even. So my old fourth ward studio can hold over 40 people and we have eight people in class. And that studio specifically is my favorite if I want to go practice because the windows, it's got 20 foot windows, old factory, the windows open. So it's almost like being outside Mm -hmm. um, and it feels so safe to me Mm -hmm. to be there. But of course, you know, it's a calculated risk no matter what you do. But the, the economics right now are a nightmare. Um, I am so discouraged by our political leadership mm. and how we've been really left out to dry. Yeah. Um, and as much as they talk about passing packages, the packages that they put together don't actually do what businesses need them really? to do to, okay. to make it through this. Mm. So. We're stuck. We're, I'm in a little bit of a hard place in, in my life, and it's been, um, it's been a yoga practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been practicing meditation yeah. a lot yeah. to get me through. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long has Sacred Thread been open? Eight years Eight now. Years. Wow. 
Eight years. Eight years. And it's trippy because we were doing really well. You know, yeah. and I think I talked to other business owners in Atlanta too, and they all say the exact same mm-hmm. thing. One of the most discouraging things is that we didn't do anything wrong. It's not like we're mismanaging our business. Right. Or healthy. We were really excited about them. And now, you know, you're so defeated running a business and trying to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we all pray that, yeah, we'll get you know, that. we are turning the pages soon. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. How for you, How yeah. about for you, Martine? Has business been your business been impacted? You know, I'm in, I'm in such a different, uh, I taught just yoga for probably five years before I took on one full-time job. And then I taught again full-time and Mm -hmm. took on another full-time job. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to go back to corporate. So I've done both. I, I'm not a studio owner. Um, I don't think that was ever in my, you know, I never thought about it. Um, but my teaching has shifted. It's all, it's just always shifted. So it's a little easier for me as a teacher because I teach when I want to, Okay. because I have a full-time job. Okay. Um, so I teach once a month, I teach, I do a workshop and then I teach at the shelter, the women's shelter where I work full time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of become my, um, both my teaching and my practice. It's just, it's always shifting. Mm-hmm. And so I, I take opportunities as they come. I've worked with kids for people are, you know, always contact me to work with kids or do one-off events. And mm-hmm. I, I love doing that stuff cause I get to sort of manage how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but my yoga has become, um, in my work as, a, a mentor and a teacher and a support person for this transitional housing shelter. My yoga has become more important than I ever thought wow. it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I'm considering going back to school and doing some work in mental health. Cause that's just where my yoga has, mm-hmm. has gone. Mm-hmm. And I think meditation and pranayama are going to save people's lives. Wow. I really do. That's heavy. I truly believe it. That's heavy. Yeah. I, and I know at the shelter, the place that you work at, they do phenomenal work there. So congratulations on being yeah, there. Yeah, thank you. Do you think that kids should be more involved in yoga? Oh, absolutely. What's going on with our babies? Oh, my gosh. Do we need them to get them down with pricing dog I, more? I, I think for five years, I taught kids more than I taught adults. Really? And it was so fun. And, uh, you know, there are um, programs out there that, that where the curriculum is built around going into the public schools mm. and teaching on certain grade levels. Yes. This project called the Mindful Life Project comes to mind. They had a whole curriculum built out to implement being mindful in the classrooms. Mm. And I think it's important. And I think it would be a, a great touch point for, for kids. But it's, it's at the end of the budget for any yeah. school. Especially schools that are not, you know, I say underserved. I use that term very lightly, but, um, yeah, I think it's valuable. Mm -hmm. I love teaching my kids and they loved coming to my classes Mm -hmm. and they are the best at pranayama. They're the absolute best at pranayama and they just, they love it. Annalise, from a studio perspective, is it, um, a liability to have kids in the space? It's just not really good to have them there, right? We don't. Um, we teach a little bit differently when we have group adult classes mm-hmm. than we would with children yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've volunteered. There's an organization called Operation Peace that started, I think, from a couple of students from Morehouse started it maybe 30 years ago as an after-school program, and now they provide free um, after-school and summer care That's to great. children. Mm-hmm of low-income households, and I've been working with them um, during the summers for the past six years. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Gotcha. Oh. Gotcha. Yeah, you went out for a minute, but we hear you now. Um, And I agree. Like, it's amazing with children. One thing that I've noticed is that when they come into the studio, I can always kind of tell who's the class clown and who kind of is the leader. <laughs> Tell their little personalities. But then when they start to do yoga, it kind of switches from what their classroom personality is. And you can see people who maybe would 
would typically be shy will start to come into their own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so eye-opening because we learn in different ways. And part of that is a kinetic learner, somebody who learns from moving and doing things with their body. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see when they're doing yoga, the, the children that really gravitate toward kinetic learning and, and moving themselves around. Um, and they're very comfortable that way. So I, I love to see that in schools because it gives diversity to how they learn. You know, unfortunately our Western schools is what yeah. very, mm. you know, one way and that's not realistic. It doesn't no. fit. Mm. Mm. So. Yeah. Mm. What is the future for, for practice for yoga? What do you think? What do you think yoga is going to head directionally? You know, I don't know. I think for the next, I think we have to be prepared for whatever the transition will look like. I think right now, um, from a practical sense, Mm. um, smaller class sizes and being, having virtual offerings are definitely the, the way to go, but hopefully we'll be back in the studio at some point. Um, because that's really where it kind of the magic happens, you know, it Mm. just, the Shakti, which is the energy that happens when you're in a group of people that are doing mantra or pranayama, or you just can't, you can't really duplicate that. Mm. So I understand why it's, it's difficult. Um, I mean, we, we had at Kashi, we have three classrooms and a full schedule Mm. and a full kitchen where we were serving meals and we, you know, we have a robust teacher training every year and we went completely online with the teacher training. And that was, we were touch and go because we didn't know. So I think really we just, we have to be open to whatever it looks like and what fits for our community and just continue to have the offerings based on what our students and what our community is asking us to do. I'm going to ask, I'm going to interject this. Annalise, I'm going to come back to you on that question, but I'm going to say this. Why is yoga so emotional? Let me use myself as an example. Every time I go, I'm crying. What is that about? Why is there tears? What is that about? Sometimes I feel being transparent, um, helping all the people that don't practice yoga every day, but want to, Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes embarrassed by the moves, embarrassed by the fact that I can't move the way I want to move. Yeah. Um, then sometimes it's just, it feels like it's some form of a release. What? Annalise, help me. Why yeah, is it so emotional? That. What? What is this about? Oh, so we have um, two different ways we like to look at the body that are not physical. One mm-hmm. is our chakras, which Martine mentioned. Um, and there are there is a chakra that really deals with our emotions. Mm. And the other way that we look at the body are what called called koshas. And koshas are like these layers. If you think of the little Russian nesting dolls where you open it up and there's another inside and another inside and another inside until you get down to like the heart of it, right? And when we're in a yoga practice, we are accessing different chakras and koshas that we're becoming aware of them. They're always there. Mm-hmm. But we're mm-hmm. speeding through life so quickly that right. we're not always aware of ourselves in these different ways. And there is an awareness that comes in our yoga practice, whether you take hot yoga or a deeper, more philosophical version of yoga or not. It's going to happen either way because you are starting to move and get back into your physical body and slowing down. And there is a vulnerability. Mm. And the limitations of our physical body, I think, actually serve us in so many purposeful ways. And a lot of times we look at the limitations as things that we don't like to admit to. Like, my body won't let me do this, or I'm getting older and I can't do that. And we think of that as negative. And you'll hear somebody say, don't talk to yourself that way. But there is a realness to those limitations. And the limitations actually... Um, help us to be more humble, to be more grateful, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, to learn discipline, to learn how to um, really stick to something. And anytime we're doing those things, we go through so many different emotions. Mm -hmm. It's just the vulnerability to it that um, I think it's sometimes difficult to explain until you start to feel it. It It just comes out of nowhere. It does. 
And yeah, I, it does. Yeah. It does. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm, And this might be simplifying it, but when you start this asana practice, this moving meditation that happens, there's a stillness that happens. Mm -hmm. And then you add the breath to that and it becomes a clearing that happens. So by the time you get to the end of your practice, Shavasana is where I always cry. It's where I always cry. Um, child's pose is where I always cry because there's this humbling that happens when your third eye reaches the floor. So I think when you start to move stuff, like pranayama allows you to move stuff Mm. and then you start to, it just comes up Yeah, and it's so good and it sucks all at the same time. (laughs) Like it's so good. And then other times I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. All I did was go into downward facing dog. Like, but it's oh, good no. though. It's so good. It yeah. Is. It yeah. is. I just always wanted to ask him, like, I feel like I'm, t- I'm like, why am I crying? I have no idea why I'm crying. I'm like, so good. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This is nuts. Annalise, what do you want to see uh, practices for yoga? What do you think is the future for yoga? What do you think is going to happen? I think a lot of meditation. I think people are really waking up to Mm -hmm. the power of the meditative practice, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is amazing. And, you know, I hope it becomes more inclusive and accessible. And um, I think going online is part of that, too, is making it to where you don't have to, like me, you don't have to have childcare. You don't have to leave your house. Mm -hmm. You don't have to live in. uh, Here's the other thing yoga studios tend to be mm. in more affluent neighborhoods because you're selling something, you want to make money as a business owner. So mm. of course you target neighborhoods with a higher income level. Mm. Um, however, most of us regular folk, you know, are the ones that really need yeah. um, even more of these stress managing techniques yeah. and um, that outlet. So I think online is great because it helps to solve some of those problems yes. too. Yes. yes. Awesome. Absolutely. So Annalise, how can the good people find you? Mm-hmm. Where can we find Sacred Thread? Where's the location? Tell us some good website, everything. So we are in East Atlanta, right in the village, yes. um, across from Argosy. Mm-hmm. And then we're in Old Fourth Ward off the Beltline, mm-hmm. uh, near two urban licks. Mm-hmm. And okay. I remember that. You can um, you can find me online. Uh, my website is the Vita Yoga, mm-hmm. uh, the Vita Yoga. So you can check us out online or in person, and yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic. And oh, donations are always welcomed, right? They are. <laughs> we are doing a GoFundMe right now to try to. Um, launch a new concept for our studio for next year. So um, if people are interested in reading about that, they can read about it online, but it's a diversity model and an affordability model where the classes will all be $6. Oh, I love um, it. it. Purposely. I was like, how much is a value meal at McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah. $5.99. Okay. I'm like, we're going to make it $6. So it's equivalent, you know, um, so, yeah, you can read about that if you want to. And how can people subscribe? How can we, we get those beautiful emails that you send out to all of your people? Where do they go to sign up to get those? So you can go to sacredthreadyoga.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you can subscribe to the emails and they'll tell you our schedule, all the things that we're doing. Right. Um, do also put free content online. So mm-hmm. if you um, are on a budget and you still want to practice, we um, make it, you know, a, a mission to have some resources out there that rotate um, a couple of times a month. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Awesome. Martine, it. how can people find you? What's um, going on in your world? So once a month, I do this really great men's only class what? called Say the that Friday. Again. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Can women go outside to watch? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because, you know, men aren't, they don't feel as comfortable in the studio with women. So I was challenged to have this men's only class. And it's the first Friday of every month. And it's from 630 to 8. And it's at Sanskrit Moon Yoga in Hapeville. Okay. Sanskrit Moon also has online classes, virtual classes. They have some class in studio um, classes as well. And you can find their schedule at sanskritmoon.com. and kashiatlanta.org mm-hmm. is another place where I've been teaching and training for years. Um, we teach and train other teachers there. It's one of the only nonprofit studios on the East Coast. Um, 
And we do a lot with the community before the pandemic, but we're, we're working on it. Right. We have a full schedule of classes. Um, and it's a really special, uh, really special place. Um, our teachers are so diverse and, and the lineage is, is so rich. We've been around for 20 years wow. at Kashi Atlanta. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, we have a lot of offerings. So awesome. kashiatlanta.org if you want to check out our Kashi schedule there. The yeah. Men, the men are going to do yoga. I know. I love They're so that. cute. I love, <laughs> They're like, arr, arr, arr. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, because yeah. it's no fun if the guys can't get some. Yeah. They got to yeah. get in the right. get in it too. That's We're right. all loose and limber, and they're stiff yeah. as a board. That yeah. is not. That's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. So that's we right. need we everybody to be like yeah. fluid. Like, yeah. come on and yeah. just come uh, on, uh, get so- centered, soften a little, yes. right? Get our I men to soften a little. It's important. I love it. We're turning the corner, even though. Like I said, at the top of the conversation and the pandemic and everything that's going on, I think out of this bad space, some good things are going to really come out of it. I think lifestyle changes are happening. People are really starting to tune in because things are not open. People are cautious about even going through a drive through now. Right. So there's a lot of people preparing things at home, spending time with their family, trying to stay active. And I think this is just one more ingredient that they can include to just make sure that we're healthy when we come through Mm -hmm. this or while we're going through this. Mm -hmm. Right. So that we have the flexibility and the mobility and the soundness of mind, I think, is is important as well. I want to thank you, ladies, for joining me today. This was nice. This is a nice way to spend Sunday. Yeah. Right. This was good. I feel feel invigorated. I'm going to get a little online with Annalise. Yeah. I'm going to get a little with you. Yeah. I got to get a little. You gave five days free uh, yoga, by the way, the other day, which was phenomenal. I did that. Amazing five day challenge. Yeah. Every so often. So get on our email. Yeah. You're giving goodies away. I be watching. I be participating over there with Sacred Day. Yeah. I love you guys both. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's my time. But you guys guys know me. I'm Real Chicks Rock. We're everywhere. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Go check out our our, uh, website, realchicksrock.com. We're pushing masks and t-shirts. We're doing all that. We want people to be safe and look cute at the same time. So yes, yes, yes. We're all in this together. Until next time, guys, you guys continue to take care, be well, and rock on. Take care. Thanks, ladies. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.